0: In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, I am going to get Leafs takes and observations because Leaf was in Denver during the first round of the NCAA tournament. Stay tuned. Big big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. I am Rafael Barlow, the director guide for NBA Big Board, and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. And my co-host for today, like I mentioned in the opening, is Leaf Tulane. Leaf, you are I see you sipping tea, got a sore throat. You're fighting through it. You're a gamer. How's everything going your way?
1: Um I'm doing well. I I'm hoping that it's just from from screaming at the games and not an illness, but but I'm doing all right. Um, got a doubleheader in basketball tonight too, so so fighting through.
0: Okay. So you scream at the games? Like I don't make a sound at the game. I'm not. I'm not. Uh,
1: I got behind the third row of the the final game. Me and me and a couple of buddies were we're getting a little rowdy cheering on, hoping for the best game possible. So we were yelling a little bit the last couple games.
0: Yeah, that's good. They need fans like you because if every fan was like me, the game would be boring. I sit there. I don't do any screaming, yelling. I just watch and observe. It would be like a golf match. So big shout out to you for making games interesting. All right, let's let's talk about the games that you saw in Denver. We'll talk about it from a prospect perspective. What prospects stood out to you the most from the games you saw in Denver?
1: Uh, this is a negative answer, but but it's the top prospect by almost everyone's board that was at those events was Keonta George, and I was very disappointed in not only the production, but the but the mannerisms um, that I saw on the court from up close watching him play the games. Like, even against UC Santa Barbara, where they were down at halftime, and they eventually coached it to a 20-point win, I felt like he had a negligible impact on the game, and his mannerisms were almost all negative and pouty. And then against Creighton, who I I felt like was the better team anyway, and I picked them in all my brackets. But uh, I I thought that if he wasn't making shots, he had zero impact on the game. And I like to look for players that can impact the game, even if they're not doing their best trait. And I think he fell overwhelmingly short in that category.
0: You know what? I feel like a lot of the freshmen, highly touted freshmen that are expected to make up the bulk of – this draft class were a little underwhelming in the NCAA tournament. Do you, do you feel the same way?
1: Uh, I, I think so, especially for the ones that are regarded as scores, um, that they weren't particularly impactful that way. I will say there's a, the difference between Brandon Miller scoring zero in their first round win was that he impacted the game by being a decoy almost. Like he he attracts so much defense, he makes the right passes, he defends, he rebounds. Keontae George played what I call fake defense, like fake energy defense, where it was almost like he remembered there were scouts at the game. And he would he would try to like pressure the ball and would dive on the floor late and and it was it was uh negatively impacting his team. And they Baylor was better with Dale the floor than Keontae George, and that's something I'm gonna have a hard time on seeing, even though I try to watch every game as this is just one game and not amplify it for the tournament.
0: You know, I I thought, I mean, of course, I'm watching it from TV and you see it from a different perspective because you were there. I thought there were times where he made some really good defensive plays that won't show up on the stat sheet as far as like cutting off drives to the rim. I thought from my perspective, his defense was better than his offense, but he really struggled on offense. How much do you think the ankle injury played a part in his lack of offensive production?
1: Uh, I, I think it did play a part. I, I didn't think he was very quick with his drives, um, even against Santa Barbara, where he should have been a superior athlete. It didn't appear that he was. So I think there is a fair, fair point that he could, he could be suffering still from the ailments of the ankle injury. Um, I, I just, I think the biggest thing for me is if his ankle was hurting him, it didn't appear that he was having trouble, you know, jumping or cutting It just appeared it showed when he wasn't making shots that he'd hang his head and he'd uh, he'd kind of like stop the ball and not swing it. And and things that bothered me were were just the the immaturity that I could kind of perceive from being up close and personal that I couldn't see on a TV. And uh, and maybe maybe that's an unfair thing because I saw two bad games. Whereas like for Chikwavy Smith, who was another guy who had a really uh, strong impact from one of the games I saw, uh, you could see even though they were losing the, the passion, the energy was there um even if his mannerisms at times were also pouty when he when he didn't get the ball during a stretch he was like I need the ball and I liked that because he was he wanted to win it almost felt like Keontae was indifferent at times about if they won the game or not
0: yeah we saw on the tv screen um to you're ready to there's one clip where they show where he looked like he was ready to knock over the Gatorade I don't know if it was Gatorade or Powerade I don't want to get it wrong but knock over the water bottle. He made a decision, but then he decided to pound the chair, which to me is just as, actually, it's more dangerous. You can really injure your wrist if you pound the chair too hard. I want to switch gears. I want to talk about Cravion. I thought that he was phenomenal, even though he, it, it took 27 shots to score 32 points. I, I'm a big Cravion guy. I love the confidence. I think he's going to be a solid NBA player. I, I talked to a scout, and he mentioned that he thought he was better than Jordan Poole, especially in pick and rolls and more explosive than Jordan Poole. And I I enjoyed seeing him attack the rim. I mean, Ryan Kalkbrenner, if I'm not mistaken, he was Big East Defensive Player of the Year. He is a Two force, times now. Two times. Okay, yeah. So he's a force down there. And Traquavion was not only attacking him in in ball screens, it's not like – you know, you're typical when you see a big get attacked in ball screens, you're talking about the guard blowing by them. He was, I mean, just absor- absorbing contact, going right at a seven-footer. And this is a guy that only weighs 165 pounds. So what was your take on Terquavion?
1: I was really impressed with his dynamism, changing, changing speeds as well, because you know he can make shots. And he made them from different places on the court. I was really impressed with his ability to kind of get to the 18 feet about the elbow. And explode go to the rim and, and absorb contact he had one highlight play which I'm sure everyone's seen where he dunked it with his left hand that was really impressive and I also just like the passion and fire he played with uh, I was impressed with his defensive ability to, to stop good guards uh, on Creighton I, I think he did a good job in that regard as well and his mid-range game is silky smooth he got all the way to the rim a couple times and you know he can shoot so three level scoring and he's someone that I think the fit's going to have to be good, but I'm going to be moving up my board uh, once I publish it because I was really impressed with how he adapted to the different defenses that they threw at him and always was able to get a good shot. Even make or miss, it was a good shot for him.
0: Yeah, I've kept him around 14, 15. I should say I kept him. I want to say the last one I did was around 14, 15, but I I think I had him as low as like 18 at one point. But I'm still going to put him in that range because, one – what I like most is he came back to school, may not have improved his draft stock tremendously, but he showed that he could help a team win games. I think they were 11-21 and 21 last year, and I believe they won 23 games this year. And I know their coach gets a lot of flack. I mean, I, every time I talk to a scout or somebody about Terquavion, the first thing they say is their coach is awful. He doesn't know what he's doing. And he's going to look better with a better coach. And that's, that's just different different opinions that someone that people feel like has been able to get the most out of the talent that he's had. So if if that is the consensus, which is what I've been hearing, then it just shows how good Turquavion has been this season. And, and Jaco Joyner has has played a big role in that also. Do you think that Keontae, not Keontae, I'm sorry, do you think that Turquavion could possibly end up being drafted higher than where he would have possibly went last year if he stayed in the draft?
1: Um, I'm trying to think about what teams would would make that pick. And, and I think it'll be a similar range because his numbers kind of suffered a, a hit in about February and early March, and obviously an impressive thing. I'd say he probably go slightly higher this year than he did last year, just is my gut reaction to that. Because last year he dominated the combine, which I think for a half,
0: really impre- for I was there for a half. He had yeah. an exciting like three minutes, and then the second half, I mean he was he he was taking all heat check shots, yeah. but uh, it balanced but, out to a solid because he only played one one but game. The, if but I that's remember. the
1: but that's the player that stood out the most. Like you watched him, it was Jalen Williams was the best player, but Turquavion was the guy that like you were like, oh, I didn't know he he was going to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, you knew he could shoot, but you didn't know he'd shoot like that. Um, but my, my point being is I think last year his college play wasn't as impressive to many. And then he stood out in a single game setting this year. It was a more overarching product. So I think more people buy more teams, I should say should would, would buy into that. So I think he'd go slightly ahead this time.
0: All right. When we return, I want to talk about the Creighton guys. You know, I'm from Omaha. So even though I live in Texas, Um, And so I I do have some people on Baylor that I root for. So that was a very interesting game for me. But I want to talk about the Creighton prospects. But first, let's talk about FanDuel. The tournament is heating up and it is the perfect time to download FanDuel, which is America's number one sportsbook because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So just download the FanDuel sportsbook app. It's safe. It is secure and it is easy to use then you can bet on everything from the money line to the point scores and threes drained. Plus FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a bigger payout with a same game parlay. So do not miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, that is FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more, make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA and Locked On. All right, second segment is Rafael Barlow with Leaf Chuling. Leaf was in Denver, had a chance to observe the NCAA tournament games in that region up close, and there's more value to me watching games in person than in film. I actually saw someone make a debate about it. They thought film was better because you can rewind it and you can hear the commentary. I prefer to watch games live because there's certain things that you can't always see and one of the things that like you mentioned earlier you can't always see the body language you can't always see how players react to certain things react to coaching how hard they warm up before the games and so on so before we get into the Creighton prospects what's one thing that stood out to you watching some of the players live that you never saw on film
1: I would say that Kalkbrenner surprised me about how well built he is. Uh, he kind of appears gangly when I watch him on on film or or just live games. I, I tend to watch him live, and then I'll re-watch film later, uh, live as in on like on TV, not on synergy. Um and watching him in person from up close he he was bigger than I realized, and I think that really helped him. Like he stood his ground fairly well against a really big guy in DJ Burns. and he also really impacts the game offensively more than you'd think with his screen and he slips and he's got good hands. So I think his size and strength as well as the obvious coordination that you could always see through the TV uh, impressed me.
0: You know, I, they said that on one of the broadcasts that he was, I forgot the word they use as if he were slender, but for me, I, I, and I haven't seen him in person. I, I never thought he was slender. I thought he had like a, a, a decent sized base. And I, I always just thought him as like a big dude. But let's let's talk about Creighton. All right. Creighton could potentially have five NBA prospects. And maybe none of them are first rounders, but they could have a bunch of guys get drafted in the second round within the next two years. Which prospects stood out to you the most?
1: I think Brenner helped his case the most. Um, I'm not sure how many teams are going to, are, are gonna say let's let's really send the farm and go get this guy because you know he, centers aren't the biggest commodity right now but text the rim really well he's got good touch and he scored 30 in the first game against nc state and they needed all of it um so i think see he helps his case the most I, I really was impressed with trey alexander's patience as well uh he gets to spots that he wants whenever he wants and he doesn't Hello. force it yep. and, he, and he knocks it down with ease uh he's a guy i've liked a lot since last year i I kind of thought coming into the year, he was their best player. Um, Most valuable was always Kalkbrenner because he protects the rim. But uh, those were the two that stood out to me. And and Ryan Emhart scored 30, and Baylor Shireman rebounds and shoots the lights out. So that's something that Arthur Kaluma, you can see he's more athletic than just about all the players he faced. Uh, It's just for him, shooting is really something that I've yet to see.
0: I've been actually kind of disappointed with Baylor Shireman shooting. He was a 40, I want to say 46, 47% shooter from three last year. The bump up in play has bumped him down, well, moved him down to about 36% from three this year. He's a better shooter when he's contested than when he's left open, but he's getting open looks. And I don't have the stats in front of me, but he struggled shooting in the two games in Denver, even though he made the first shot in the Baylor game but he's been getting open looks. And I think he's a much better shooter than the numbers indicate, but he's the guy that I like because he rebounds, he passes, um, doesn't always get the assist, but he makes like the, the hockey assist. He makes the right read, sees the whole floor. But Nimhart was phenomenal against Baylor. I mean, he totally picked their defense apart. Do you think he is someone that could be a potential riser as Creighton goes, if Creighton makes a a longer tournament run,
1: yes, the the concern, and I love Ryan Nemhart. I'm I'm a point guards guy, so like someone like him is always kind of a soft spot for me. Uh, the concern is that he's just six feet, like he he's scratching six feet. Like him him and uh L J Crier defended each other at times, and and Crier was taller, and Crier is pretty diminutive for a uh, for a two guard. Um. I think Nemhard really controls the game, much like his older brother. He's very good at, at controlling the game with pace, and he's not going to blow you away with speed. But he knows how to get to his spots. He knows how to pass and get into sets. He handles pressure well. I think he could be a backup guard in the NBA. I'm just not sure how high his stock raises just due to his diminutive size in a league that really is prioritizing length.
0: Well, you look at the Jones brothers. Mm-hmm. Nemhard could be like the Jones brothers, Tyus and Trey. I think well Trey is listed at six one. I haven't seen him in person. Um, I don't know how much bigger he is than than Ryan Nimhart. But uh, I, I think spoke...
1: Trey, I think Trey's a little bigger. I saw him in, uh, play the Jazz up close, and, and I'd say he's a little taller than Ryan.
0: Okay. So I mean, but they haven't listed at 6'1", 185. So I talked to a scout about um, Ryan Nimhart. He was high on Ryan. He thought Ryan could be like a combination of. I think he said Trey Jones, TJ McConnell, and Jose Alvarado. And he said that he thinks that he could be like Alvarado because he can be a pest on defense. He has that in him. But Alvarado struggles like really running a team. And he felt like Ryan could play the same role and could run a team. And he thinks that he could be a a big riser. And then if you look at Ryan's games, he had – His best games have been against their best opponents. I want to say he had a combined 45 points in Creighton's uh, games in Maui against Arkansas and Arizona. And he was efficient in those games. And then he had a big 30-point game against Baylor. So he can score even though he's kind of like put into a box. It's like this game manager guy that, that knows how to run the offense, which is all true but he can get to the basket when and score when he needs to. So I thought that he really helped his stock. Now, do you think that Kalkbrenner is draftable?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think he can be a late second rounder. I don't see him rising too much above that just because of the the transition the league's going through. But I think he's playable because he can step out and hit shots. He's got good hands around the rim, and he really protects the rim well. Uh, Physicality, I'll be curious to see how he handles uh, nba sized wings driving at him like he he handled some of jarkel Joyner and on drives but they're both slender framed wings at the college level um so i i do think he's draftable i don't think he'll rise enormously because of a successful tournament which is you know unfortunate for him just because of the kind of the way the nba views players right now but i am impressed with him and I, and i do think he'll be drafted if he declares
0: all right arthur kaluma What are your thoughts on Kaluma? Do you feel like he has hurt his stock a little bit?
1: Yeah, I think he should have come out last year because in seeing him and it's, it's, it's a unfortunate thing in seeing him, you see his deficiencies. Whereas last year he was just this, Oh my gosh, what he gets to his mid range. He's super athletic. He plays against Kansas against like Baji and Brown and looks good. And now you see he's really not a very good shooter and he's kind of a hustle guy. Uh, can he, can he carve out a role in the NBA? Probably, but but he would be the guy that I'm lowest on of that Creighton roster.
0: Yeah, I think his success in the NBA is going to be heavily dependent on how well he, he shoots the ball, but I do see him as a hustle guy that has a little bit of skill, but he's a guy that, like, you see the athleticism and, like, he drives to the rim, but it seems like he's missing that vertical pop off the bounce, right? Like, when he has a runway... He's bouncy. But when he beats a guy off the dribble or when he has just a little bit of space, it doesn't seem like he has that quick twitch explosion Mm -hmm. to like jump up and finish over traffic. So that's kind of like my my biggest concern outside of the lack of shooting. All right. When we return, we'll we'll wrap up this episode with some more of Leafs thoughts from Denver. Stay tuned. All right. Last segment. And again, it's Rafael Barlow. Leaf Tuline. Leaf was in Denver, so we've talked about the player that stood out to him the most. We've talked about Creighton, and we well, we talked about the player that stood out to him the most, but it was in a, a a negative fashion. Who else caught your attention in the Mile High City?
1: I thought Mike Miles impressed me. Um, uh, he's mm-hmm. someone that I I like as a player, but I had concerns about his NBA adaptation, like how he. Expands his game to fit the NBA as opposed to college where he I think his physicality for a point guard really helps him. Um, and I think that did help him here, but he got to wherever he wanted, finished very well, was very efficient. And I almost never say this, almost never, but I wish he'd been a bit more of a ball hog against Gonzaga. I was rooting for TCU. That's probably where I lost my voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was sitting right behind the TCU bench. And I thought if they could just hit a few threes, so he created well, his assist numbers may not reflect that, um, but they just couldn't hit any threes. And um, I, I really thought that his physicality and body seeking was a detriment, a few ga- like a few games of the season against Big 12 play, but it was very good against Gonzaga where he was able to penetrate the lane and find open shooters and find cutters on the baseline. It was just a pity they couldn't hit those shots. So he's someone that I think has proven to me he can be a, Second round pick and run a backup uh, lineup in the NBA.
0: Yeah, I have a friend that's a, a scout and he loves, absolutely loves Mike Miles. And the thing that he always mentions to me is he's going to look good in a reduced role where he does not have to do everything. So, right now for TCU, he has to do a lot and he's carrying a workload that he won't have to in the NBA. And he thinks that he's going to be a solid backup, maybe spot starter, but rotation player that's going to play. 10 years in the nba and mike is young he is a 20 year old junior he's only a few months older than some of the top freshman prospects and i want to say brandon miller and the thompson twins are are all 20 and he's not much older than than them and in that game he was efficient 8 of 13 24 points so i I get where you're coming from when you say that you wish he would have taken more shots do you think that he is someone that will be drafted this year
1: I, I imagine he will declare, so then yes. Uh, do I think he could be behooved by coming back? Yes, because he could shoot better. But I, I kind of think TCU is going to lose Damian Baugh. They already lost Eddie Lampkin. Um, I'm I'm going to imagine he comes out this year. Uh, I, I just don't see a way he goes back and, and says, you know, this is the team I'm going to run it back with, and I'm going to improve my stock. Um, So I, I do imagine he'll get picked this year.
0: Yeah, you know, at one point this year, his three point shooting was down. It was, I want to say it was like around the low thirties, high twenties. He ends up finishing at 36%. Shot 49% from the floor. So he finished the season with basically he rounded up, his 49.7, basically 50, 36, 75 shooting splits, which I which I think are, are, are good for him. Averaged 18 points a game. Now he was the preseason Big 12 player of the year. Obviously, that didn't work out as well as he thought it would. But I I think that he is someone that is in an interesting predicament, in a sense. I think that he is worthy of a second-round pick. I think if you factor in the age, then he should go higher than where he's probably going to go. But I also don't know if he is a 100% lock to get drafted. How do you feel about that? Do you think he is a lot to get drafted or do you think he is kind of flirting with, with being on the on the borderline as someone that can go anywhere from 45 through 58? And I think with, with this year, obviously two guys are going to be hurt by there only being 58 picks this year. Do you think he could fall into the range as one of those guys that is kind of flirting with, with being undrafted if he comes out?
1: Uh, I think my guess is he's going to get picked, but mm-hmm. I do think there's a chance that he falls. I, I think there's stylistically a change to his game. I think he can run a, game, run a team, but he's he's never really been that pass-first guy, and, and a lot of it, it's like you can project him to do it. Like like uh, like your scout friend says, I can see that very easily, but there's also having seen it with your own eyes, and that's what you see from Ryan Nemhart, for example. If you were to kind of put them against each other as foils, Nemhard runs the team. He he is a game manager in a very good way. Mike Miles needs to show he can do that rather than be this go-to scorer. Um, And and it's not a a slight to him. It's just what I've seen. I've seen four TCU tournament games in the last two years. I, I saw them last year too. And he was impressive against NBA athletes then as well. But he didn't have the supporting cast that really let him run the game from a point guard management standpoint that you'd want to see in the NBA. So I think there's a possibility teams want to see that, and that hurts him. But there's also a possibility people take the leap of faith and say, you know what, if he's capable of this, I believe he can do this. And so I I think he gets drafted, but there's there is a chance he slides.
0: All right, last question: Was there anything else, whether it's a player, as far as his draft stock, or if they were bigger or smaller or more athletic than you thought? Is there anything else that stood out to you from this scouting trip?
1: Uh, this is an interesting one. I, I, he's not a very good shooter at all, but defensively he is absolutely phenomenal, and it's Micah Peavy. Um, I was screaming, and you you might be able to even see this from the TV. I, I got a few texts that said that you could see me yelling something. So I, I was being passionate, but I was screaming. And I was behind the TC bench that like, they should put Peavy on Timmy. All game long I was yelling this. So they did it, and they went on an immediate run. Coincidence? I don't know. but but uh, I, I really.
0: Coach Lee yeah, from the I, I
1: was trying to get in the ear of jamie dixon uh, <laughs> if jamie dixon listens to this you're welcome um but but my point being is he can guard anywhere from well two through five maybe even one through five and that's a very rare thing his shot isn't mechanically busted but it's not pretty and i wonder if he can be a guy like tory craig much like kevin McCullough can and i think he and mcculler are the best two defenders in the big 12 and Dewan Harris is a good defender, but I think those two are far more deserving of the Defensive Player of the Year in the Big Twelve.
0: Yeah, from what I saw, PV defended all over the floor. I mostly saw him on Timmy. There was a play where was it a was it he got a block mm-hmm. on on. Um, there was a few plays where he made him work. I mean, Drew Timmy is Drew Timmy. I mean, you get him on the island, and he's he's going to score sixty percent of the time. But I did thought that, um, I did think that PV did a good job defending him, especially when you consider he's like 6'7, 215, kind of out of his weight class, but he did battle. He is someone that if he can knock down corner threes, then he might have a chance because of his defensive versatility. So, um, I, I thought that was a good observation there. Well, that wraps up this episode. Big, big shout out to leaf. He battled through this, got a sore throat from yelling and you, you might have seen him yelling. <laughs> yeah. it, it is. I mean, if you're yelling at Jamie Dixon to put in Micah TV, Micah PV, then maybe that's where you lost your voice. But thank you, Lee, for, for for battling through this. And thank you for making the Lockdown NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. Now, for your second listen, you gotta check out the game to game NBA podcast, every moment, every top performance. Every result, Locked On Game-to-Game covers every game from across the league with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. So follow the Game-to-Game on the Locked On NBA channel, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow, Leaf Tulane, giving you his thoughts and observations from Denver, and we are out.